This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. Allison Prost joins me today. Allison, welcome back. We've had you before. Thank you for having me again. And I see you all the time. <laughs> Allison is our Maryland Executive Director. And just to refresh people's memory, our advocacy functions at CBF in the state offices are really divided by three state offices in uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Virginia, Harrisburg, Annapolis, and Richmond, each with an executive director and a staff of, I guess you have 15 to 20 mm-hmm. staff? Yes. Yeah. And the, the, the state office staff and the executive directors, like Allison, are, are really the primary voice and, and face of CBF in the legislatures in their respective states. So today on April 10th, Allison, (laughs) is the end of another 90-day Maryland General Assembly session. Yes, today is signy die, uh, the last day of the Maryland session. It will end at midnight tonight. Uh, It'll be a busy day where they stop and start the floor sessions frequently to be able to go to committee and vote on bills. And it's a day that you either watch the clock, hoping for it to run down before a bad bill hits the floor, or you are wanting, you know, people to meet very quickly and move on bills as you're waiting. It can be a very anxious day. And it it really is extraordinary. I mean, things happen right up until midnight. And sometimes they've even had to turn the clock back to give them an extra half hour or an Mm -hmm. hour to continue business. Before there was as many live feeds and audio, they would routinely stop the clock and physically change it. Um, Now what they do throughout the years they build up legislative days. So you'll, you know, for all of us, today is April 10th. If you look at the legislative history, today will be the 10th, it will be the 9th, the 8th, the 7th, and the 6th, (laughs) uh, because they save up all these days so they can change the calendar instead of playing with the clock anymore. Got it. Okay. So let's spend our time reviewing uh, what has happened Mm bay-wide, bay-wise, I guess to say, uh, in the Maryland General Assembly this year. So let's kind of tick off our priority issues. Certainly trees, oysters. The budget was another one that we wanted to pay close attention to. Uh, The laws that we pass are only as good as the programs to implement them. So Chesapeake Bay Foundation spends a considerable amount of time watching the budget to make sure that the -the on-the-ground funds are there. And I'm happy to report they are. For another fiscal year, we have a strong budget that reflects the state's commitment to the Bay. So we will see cover crops and oyster restoration work. Uh, monitoring that's needed, other cost share programs, stormwater improvements, wastewater treatment plant upgrades, all the programs that we count on to see those water quality results fared very well in this General Assembly. So uh, credit where credit's due, Governor Larry Hogan and the General Assembly leadership, leadership. Mike Miller, Mike Bush, Mm -hmm. Senate and House respectively, and all of the various appropriations committee members. So we've got good state funding. Let's come back towards the end of the conversation and talk about the concerns over the federal partner. Because those budget cuts are are looming and we'll see if they stick. I think one of the great successes of this session was the fact that oyster sanctuaries in the Bay, which have been so successful over the last several years in building the population Mm -hmm. of oysters, will not, uh, as, as had been proposed and as how we worried, be violated will not be harvested. Give us a little background on that. Yeah, you know, this is this is a win for science. 
This is a win for the protective principle. We in Maryland value oysters. You know, they're our beloved bivalve, and they're struggling, and they need, a hel- they need help. And so in 2010, the state set aside about a quarter of the bay's bottom in oyster sanctuary, and we wanted to see that stay in place. And over the last few months and year, there was talks about opening up these sanctuaries, these areas that are um, set aside for the oysters to regrow and help the natural harvest. There's talk about opening them up. Last year, we were successful in getting a bill passed that said you need to do a full stock assessment. This was the only fishery in Maryland that didn't have a stock assessment. A a stock assessment means a study of how much is available. So a stock assessment is um, looking at, you know, in all the Maryland waters, how many oysters are out there. We know the harvest numbers. We know how many bushels hit the dock, but we don't know how many that represents. Is it 1%? Is it 5%? So last year we said there has to be a stock assessment. It has to be peer-reviewed. The Department of Natural Resources said it would take two years, so the statute says you have to have it done by 2018. And everyone left last session thinking, okay, science is going to lead the way. We're going to wait for it to be done before we think about making any changes in oyster management. But that just wasn't the case. Um, In reality, people wanted to open the sanctuaries up, uh, wanted to go ahead and and take these critical areas and uh, let there be commercial harvest. And the General Assembly, especially Bay Foundation, our partners said, no, we need the science first. And the science went out and it was passed in both chambers, uh, strong bipartisan votes, and the governor allowed it to become law last week. Yeah, the governor who was concerned about this, and it mm-hmm. actually his Department of Natural Resources had been the one that made the proposal to open up, I guess, what, a thousand acres? A thousand of, acres. Of really high quality sanctuary grounds. So good news for oysters, Um, and um, this is really part of a baywide strategy. You Mm -hmm. you represent Maryland. You said (laughs) Marylanders love their oysters. My guess is we'll hear from our Virginians as well. Virginians love their oysters too, and really all over the country you Mm -hmm. hear about native Chesapeake Bay oysters. So this this is great news, and we're starting to see oysters rebuild their stocks, but they are still well below historic levels, so a lot of work left to be done. Uh, trees. We had a, a bill in the General Assembly on forest conservation. Yes. So our other filter, our other you know uh, lungs, natural, natural, natural yeah, natural filter uh, keeps soil in place, puts oxygen back into the air. Great all around um, ecosystem services. Unfortunately, we are losing them to development, and we have a Forest Conservation Act. It says how many trees you need to put back in place for every one that you take down, and it's not meeting our no net loss goals. It's it's broken. So in Maryland, we have a, a, a goal of no net, net loss. loss of trees. Cut one down, put one back, cut a thousand down, put a thousand back. That's what we would all think. If you're trying to keep the same amount, um, that's what you'd think. But unfortunately, the law says if you cut an acre down, you only need to put a quarter back. And so every time someone cuts an acre down, we're losing 75% of our trees. And cutting down an acre of mature Mature, yes. So even if you put some back in, we all know the size difference uh, that occurs. 
many work groups have studied this, scientists have looked at this and said that there needed to be fixes to the Forest Conservation Act and that's what we tried to do this General Assembly session and unfortunately um, the bill did not pass. It got changed into a task force to study and not just study again, because we didn't want that, but really come up with the recommendations. You know, what needs to change? What does the replanting have to be? If not a quarter to one, what should it be? Is it one to one everywhere? Tackle those questions. It passed the Senate unanimously. We were hopeful that that momentum would carry in the House of Delegates as well, and the bill has just stalled. So, you know, I would say I'll see your one-to-one and raise you to mm -hmm. two-to-one. What one would think with mortality and all of the rest, smaller trees, two-to-one. But we're fighting to raise it from a quarter to one. Yes. You get a quarter for each one you lose. Mm -hmm. and, and the bill went through the Senate with flying colors installed in the House. Installed in the House. Uh, we have heard... Uh, the members of the House of Delegates say they will look at it over the summer, that they do plan to roll their sleeves up and tackle this issue. But we were hoping for something uh, more formal, more uh, results driven. We don't want just another study of the values for trees. We all, know, we all know that. We all know that we're losing them. We wanted it to be solutions based. And we're prepared to keep working on this issue. Uh, we need them for water quality. We need them for health benefits. And they make great economic sense for communities as well. Well, I know you're disappointed and the mm -hmm. staff's disappointed. But I do know over the years that you, something really important in the General Assembly often does take two years. It's discouraging that if it had such support in the Senate, it couldn't get through the House. But, you know, we're here yeah. for the long run. Right. And um, we'll, we'll be working this, I know, over the summer, mm -hmm. keeping it alive. Uh, over and over, I hear from the scientific community how critically important trees are. I mean, we, we almost, some of us could almost take them for granted. Right. But trees along buffers between development and a water course, between agriculture and a water course, they, they really do remarkable work in so many ways, as you've explained. So... Uh, we'll make sure this is um, front and center as we go into next year. Yes. Uh, what else? Tell us a little, give us a little bit more detail on the budget. Yeah, so Maryland has uh, many special programs in place that provide cost share. We've all identified the practices that need to be on the ground to reduce our pollution sources, and Maryland has put their money behind them. We have upgraded wastewater treatment plants, and we see uh, submerged aquatic vegetation coming back right around where these outfalls are. Upgrade septic systems, agricultural cost share. We know that some of the policies that we ask farmers to do can be costly, so the state has helped uh, put in the buffers, put in the cover crops, um, help with fencing cows out of streams. And so this year's budget in Maryland reflects those commitments. Um, as the legislative session progressed and the federal budget <laughs> uh, started to be discussed and introduced, the General Assembly took notice. They um, are worried because they know that Maryland is just one part of the Bay cleanup and that if we don't have the Bay program that provides that leadership, that coordination among the states, the federal, the federal partnership, program, yep, so called, the, yeah, Chesapeake, the, the Chesapeake Bay program, you know, they're the, they're the coordinators, they're the conveners that make sure every state 
you know, is on track. They provide the science. So the General Assembly is taking it very seriously. They have introduced a resolution to affirm their commitment um, to ask the federal government to please uh, keep the program, the Bay program in place, keep other Chesapeake Bay cleanup money in place. And they have said that they are prepared to study this issue and be ready to put an even stronger Maryland budget in should the um, anticipated cuts happen at the federal level. So a little background here. We've got the federal budget. In the past, it's had a number of agencies supporting Bay work. Mm -hmm. And under the current administration, the Trump administration has proposed cutting all of those. And specifically, cutting the EPA Chesapeake Bay program from 73 million to zero. Two-thirds of that uh, $73 million has gone to state grants and mm -hmm. municipal grants to reduce pollution. All of that's cut to zero. So it, it, it's, it's ironic because EPA Administrator Pruitt has been giving speeches around the country and talking to news outlets saying how important it is for the states to be partners with EPA and not just for EPA to do it all for the states. This is probably one of the greatest examples of cooperative federalism in the country, right. and um, yet they're pulling the rug out from underneath the states, if you will, by cutting their funding. Yeah. So Maryland is stepping up. We've seen Virginia as well. We're concerned, as always, about Pennsylvania meeting their pollution reduction needs. But here we are with about uh, seven or eight hours <laughs> left in the session. And there is a bipartisan, I guess, what would you call it, resolution moving through the House and the Senate encouraging President Trump to support the Bay? Yes, yeah, support the Bay. Uh, it details all the benefits that have come to Maryland from the Bay program and asking, yes, uh, President Trump and members of the appropriation committees at the federal level to please restore the funding, not just for the Bay program, but all Bay-related programs at the federal level. Uh, they want to be partners. They are asking to be partners, uh, both financially and with the programs that are in place. And so it's, it's a positive for the Bay to see this bipartisan support in Maryland, and we hope it carries through at the federal level. And I wanted to stress that bipartisan. This is Republicans and Democrats in the Maryland General Assembly yes. are working on this resolution. What, what's the status of it as we speak? Uh, so it was introduced in both the House and the Senate. The Senate version has made it all the way through the Senate and has only one vote needed left um, in these seven, eight hours that are left in the House. The House version, which is identical, has only made it through the House. So we will see if the Senate will take it up or if everyone will just focus on that one final vote that's needed. You only need one version to make it all the way through. Uh -huh. So if the Senate version in the next few hours gets that last vote in the House, it will uh, go to the governor's desk. And when you say that Senate version, <laughs> last vote in the House, because after it passes the Senate, it goes over to the House. Yes. And then has to get approved. <laughs> has so to get approved. approved. So, vote. yep, um, Bill has to make it through both okay. chambers all the way, and that means about four votes on the floor. So it's had its two in the Senate. It's had its one that it needs in the House, and it needs one more in the House, and then it will be through the process. So we will we will put this podcast on the air uh, the day after the General mm -hmm. Assembly closes on April 11th. And uh, if so our listeners should look on our website and see if there's notification of that passing, because that will yes. be, be important for Maryland to make that statement. 
Very good. Well, Allison, you and your team have done extraordinary work. It's a 90-day session. <laughs> you work pretty much around <laughs> the clock, and as it comes down to the end, um, hope you'll all get some time off. I think everyone's looking forward to it. <laughs> okay. This is Will Baker and Allison Prost in our continuing podcast, Turning the Tide, Saving Chesapeake Bay. Thank you, Allison. Thank you. Thank you.